Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. It's graduation season and Adweek Jobs is throwing a party. A talent pool party. Okay, so it's not really a party, but it is a limited time discount of 20% off our job posting packages. This offer will help you reach new qualified candidates, including recent graduates eager to jump in, get their feet wet, or whatever pool metaphor you prefer. Make a splash with highly visible 30-day job postings and explore premium options like newsletter placements, featured postings, and more. Join the Adweek Jobs Talent Pool Party now to get your job openings in front of an audience of passionate, hungry professionals. But hurry, this limited time offer ends June 8th. Enter promo code ADWEEKJOBS20 and visit jobs.adweek.com. That's jobs.adweek.com, promo code ADWEEKJOBS20. You're listening to, yeah, that's probably an ad. It's the Adweek Podcast, where we talk about marketing, media, advertising, television, pop culture, because in the end, everything's an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative editor with Adweek. And with me, as she is each week, is Sammy Maine, our social editor. Sammy, how's it going? Hello. It's going pretty good. How about you? Um, I've got no complaints. Summer is here. Um, and uh, we've got also back, uh, I feel like you've become a regular now. We've got Jason Lynch, our TV senior editor. Jason, how are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Hey, how are you doing? Uh, good. We have you on to atone for the sins of the curses that you have been casting all over Hollywood, getting people in trouble by putting them on our cover. We'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, of course, uh, we, we will talk Roseanne. We'll talk uh, Samantha Bee. Uh, and, uh, and then we're going to share this week's ad worth watching. And uh, we're going to uh, talk about Toronto. Our friendly neighbors to the north, which have been having quite a moment, uh, both in the marketing scene and in the tech world. Uh, So we're going to have Marty Swant, our tech reporter, on to talk about that. But first, the news. All right, Jason. So it, just to recap, in the last few weeks on our cover, we have had, <laughs> we've had, uh, I think most recently, uh, Roseanne Barr uh, alongside Sarah Gilbert uh, to talk about the surprise hit of the season being uh, Roseanne's revival. We also had Sam B on the cover, Samantha B on the cover of our uh, Disruptors issue, uh, both in hot water, more so Roseanne, whose show was, uh, was abruptly canceled uh, before its 11th season after uh, she made a a racist tweet. Uh, and uh, so let's start there, and then we'll, we'll get to Samantha B in just a minute. Um, Jason, what was your, when you saw the tweet uh, that Roseanne posted where she made a uh, really inappropriate joke uh, comparing someone to Planet of the Apes and I believe the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, what did you think? I mean, she obviously, as you've written about, she her 
unpredictability on Twitter is a known quantity, but did, could you tell as soon as you saw that that this would be a line that Disney was not willing to uh, to to you know let her stay after? Well, you know that was my initial response, but almost at the same time, I thought, well, this is actually not the first time that she has tweeted something like this, as horrible as it is. Uh, you know, people look back in her feed, and you know, years ago there there were there were tweets uh, along the same line. So I I did you know it did cross my mind of okay, well, this is not the first time she has done this. Uh, it, it's hard to see how ABC can't react to this, but at the same time, they can't claim that they are taken aback by what she did <laughs> because sadly there is a well documented history on her feed of of just. Horrible things, um, you know, kind of so horrible that that this was something that we talked about in our in our cover story just two weeks ago. And she claimed to me at the time that she had a new social media policy, and she said, "I'm just going to try to talk about what I'm for rather than what I'm for against." And that seemed to last about 24 hours, and then it was back to the old Roseanne. And she uh, she did kind of blame this on taking an Ambien, which. A lot of people I know take Ambien and seem to get by okay. Uh, and the maker of the drug uh, shot back on Twitter and said that racism is not a known side effect of their drug. Uh, so that th- this thing seemed to spill over into several different areas. But one of the conspiracy theories, I guess, which is ironic since uh, Roseanne obviously shares a lot of conspiracy th- conspiracy theories, uh, but one that I've seen uh, critics of hers, uh, you know, casual, just not, not in the TV industry like you, but people saying, uh, oh, this is just ABC coming up with an excuse because ratings had dropped so bad that they wanted to get rid of her anyway. This is just a ratings-driven decision. I I feel like that is not an accurate summary, Jason. But since we have you on, why don't you tell us uh, kind of what the status was of the ratings at the end of that season? Yeah, that's absolutely incorrect. Uh, yes, I mean, the ratings had dropped from that huge premiere, which I think 30 million people ended up watching when delayed viewing was factored in. And it's the most viewed comedy in years and years and years. But she still ended, Roseanne still ended the season as the number one comedy on TV in the 18 to 49 demo. Would ratings maybe have been a tiny bit softer in the fall? Probably, but it is still the top-rated show on ABC. And to make a decision like this literally two weeks to the day after she was the toast of ABC's upfront presentation and upfront negotiations were going on you know, at, at, at that moment that it was canceled uh, as we speak right now, and Roseanne was kind of the centerpiece of ABC's upfront push – you know there are kind of tens of millions of dollars at stake with this decision. Um, so no, this was this was not ABC looking for an excuse to pull the plug. If that had been the case, they would never have renewed the show, or they would have acted long before they're upfront and long before negotiations were underway. Now you reported on some discussions of whether they could continue the show without her, uh, which uh, it reminded me of what, what was it? Valerie turning into the Hogan family. Yeah, if, uh, Valerie first turning into Valerie's family for a season, and then turning into the Hogan family after that. <laughs> Uh, yes, I mean there has been talk about that. the 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 big sticking point here is that Roseanne is um, she actually isn't technically a creator of the show by this this kind of bizarre um, red tape contractual situation where Matt Williams was the creator, but then the show is based on a character created by Roseanne, so she's kind of a creator, kind of not. Either way, though, she stands to benefit financially if there is any iteration of the show, whether she's involved in or not, and that is. Obviously, a huge sticking point for ABC because they don't want to be seen as putting more money into her pocket as a result of of what she did. At the same time, 
The rest of the cast and a lot of the crew is also under contract, and they're most likely going to have to pay them out anyways. And there has been a segment on social media this week. Well, you know, let's try and figure out a way. You know, we love everybody else on the show, so let's figure out a way to put all them in the show. So there are still talks. It's hard to really tell. You know, Roseanne on her feed right now, she keeps she keeps going back and forth between apologizing to her cast and claiming she begged the head of D- Disney ABC, Ben Sherwood, to save their jobs. And then she's also lashing out at her castmates who who have kind of rightly criticized her tweet online. So it's not, you know, on one hand, she says she wants to save jobs, but I feel like if ABC went to her and said, okay, well then, you know, agree to not take any money from this, I don't think that she would say yes. So uh, those talks are still early. I think it's a long shot, but, um, you know, we may not have seen the last of, if not Roseanne, certainly the, you know, the Connor family, we could see back on ABC in some form next season. I have a question. How tired are you of thinking or writing or talking about Roseanne? Um, Because on a scale of one to Sammy, I'd like to know where you're at. (laughs) It has been, you know, that doing this cover initially was really tough because that was all in the middle of upfront craziness. And, uh, and there was a lot going on then. And then just, yeah, it, it, it has been a lot. You know, the, the thing with this also was that, it's not unanticipated. I mean, we devoted a big portion of our cover to this and to her Twitter feed. So if you had come to me or pretty much anybody in the industry and said, if Roseanne, if, if I told you Roseanne's show was going to be canceled, what's the number one reason it would be canceled for? We'd all say something she tweeted. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we kind of knew this was coming. ABC may have been in denial that it was coming, but... Um, it has been a lot of Roseanne, and sadly, you know, as I said, it's probably this is not the last we'll be talking about Roseanne. I'm sure, but um, but yeah, I mean, I think just just this the speed of of her going from the toast of ABC to to just being you know them cutting all ties with her was was pretty unprecedented. Well, so on the opposite end of the political spectrum, we had Samantha B, who again we recently featured on our cover as uh, kind of the uh, our disruptors issue of women who are disrupting their industries. In this case, late night, uh, she has been obviously one of the kind of most distinct and celebrated voices in that in that space of late night TV. Uh, she in a and correct me if I'm getting details wrong here, but I believe in a monologue. Uh, she uh, referred to Ivanka Trump by the C word, uh, calling her feckless, uh, being the the less inappropriate word, uh, and then the C word. Uh, and you know, I, I first I saw of it was a Fox News uh, headline that that was just like uh, you know screaming about how will the liberal media hold her accountable, and and you know they. If you believe in such things as liberal media, yes. I mean, she was held accountable. She began to lose advertisers. Tell us about what's been happening uh, since since uh, she made that comment, Jason. Yeah, so since so so the comment came um, at the end of the first segment she did on Wednesday night show. She was talking about how the U.S. Office of, of Re- Refugee Resettlement had lost fifteen hundred migrant children last year, and how the policy of, of our of our government now is separating all children from their parents who attempt to come into the country illegally. At the end of that segment, she talked about how Ivanka had tweeted a photo with her son last weekend, and then she was basically use that phrase in um, in kind of telling her, like, you know, stop doing that, Call, you know, do something about your dad's immigration practices. I listened to it Thursday morning on my way into work, and, and you know, the use of that word certainly stopped me in my tracks. Um, but the first thing I thought at the time was like, wow, that was – because the show was not taped live, that was something that there was obviously discussions with the network about, and it was bleeped out on the air. And, you know, so it, this isn't something like where they can say, well, she tweeted it. We didn't know. She did said mm-hmm. it in public. So I, I, I was I was surprised uh, that 
they decided to use the word, but also, you know, had said, okay, well, obviously there had been a discussion and this is what happened. And then all of a sudden there was a firestorm. And I actually do think that had uh, had the whole Roseanne situation not happened, I don't think this would have gotten to the level that it did. And some people are trying to equate the two. And certainly making a racist comment is not the same as using profanity. Um, so, but, but you know, the, you, you, there was pressure on some advertisers who had been on the show to, to pull out. And, and um, as of the time that we're, we're taping this on Friday afternoon, two of them did, both on Thursday, Auto Trade, and then later Thursday night, State Farm have suspended their ads on her show. A bit echoes of of when we've seen this happen on cable news with uh, Bill O'Reilly or with Sean Hannity or with Laura Ingram, where you know there's all of a sudden this pressure on um, on advertisers to to kind of suspend their advertising. So we've seen that twice. Samantha B apologized. TBS issued a statement shortly after that, also saying that um, you know that, that they apologized that they were you know partially at fault and um, uh, and and that was kind of it at the time. Then Trump. Of course, weighed in this morning. Um, he said, he tweeted, why aren't they firing? No talent, Samantha B for the horrible language used on her low rating show. But surprisingly today, there hasn't been too much additional traction on it. Again, as of the time we're taping this, no other advertisers have pulled out. Um, TBS has told me that they won't be issuing any other statements. So it does seem for right now that maybe, you know, we've gone of this, this controversy is, is going to die out unless maybe Trump or other people continue to try to tweet about it over the weekend, which is certainly a possibility. But, um, you know, I think unlike Roseanne, where, you know, you needed to, you needed to take some action uh, quickly, I think TBS's uh, approach here is going to just be to try and ride out the storm. And hopefully by her next show next Wednesday, um, this will mostly blown over. Well, I hope for you and definitely for Sammy that uh, the, these stories do Please. do uh, die I'm down. So tired. <laughs> Let me stop tweeting. But uh, but yeah, no, I, you know it's it's fascinating seeing that that Trump just can't stop himself from weighing in on anything about TV. Right? It's just such a it, it's such a raw nerve for him. And and there was even a moment that a lot of people pointed out in the press conference uh, where uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders said, um, you know, Trump's not following. Someone asked about Roseanne. He said he's not following that. He's got bigger fish to fry. He's got bigger things to focus on. And <laughs> And then he like literally like tweeted right after that, you know, all about Roseanne. <laughs> now, where, where's where's his apology from all the times ABC's been mean to him or whatever? Uh, so it's it's certainly something where I think he just continues to pour gasoline on any kind of mild TV controversy that that would have blown over quite quickly uh, uh, before. One, one other thing I wanted to mention on the Samantha B front is that you know, and, and as you mentioned, she was on our cover earlier this uh, earlier this month, and when she uh, talked to our colleague Stacey Perman, she said a few things that I, you know I think seem really relevant now in terms of what's going on. And, you know, she talked about how she, you know, her approach to comedy isn't for all advertisers. And she says, you know, we can't change our content to suit brands. I'd, I'd rather not be on television than do that. We cannot have a brand dictate the content of our show. No, thanks. I would exit TV. Bye. I'm too old for that. So I also do feel that if this escalates and if there's additional pressure, whether it's the network putting it on her to kind of change her show in light of all this, that she's not going to play ball and she's going to you know, kind of exit. Again, I don't think we're going to get to that point, but she's made it pretty clear that she is not going to kind of change who she is for the sake of keeping advertisers happy. All right. Well, Jason, thank you so much as always for joining and catching us up. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll give you a few weeks off, but if not, we'll talk to you soon. 
All right, we're going to rotate Jason out and rotate in Marty Swant, tech reporter for Adweek. Marty, always great to have you. Always great to be back. I feel like you're you're like ninety percent of your time is on being on Cheddar these days. Like you become like Cheddar's <laughs> Every once uh, in a while. tech it's advertising go to guy. It's um, kind of fun. <laughs> I, well, I love we are cheesy. going to. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Swant puns. puns. All right. We've got uh, just two two more quick news things I wanted to hit up that Coca-Cola has launched its first alcoholic product. This is the first time in over 130 years. It is hard to find because it's on one island in Japan. <laughs> but it is called <laughs> Lemon Dew, unless it's pronounced Lemon Dew, uh, but it's just Lemon hyphen Dio. Uh, obviously, this even though it's very small, it's a very small little experiment, uh, it's notable because this is a pretty big departure uh, for the brand. Sammy, I'm curious what you think of kind of do do you see that they're almost afraid to even talk about it like they really are not giving interviews about this product uh you know but what do you think is we should take away from this that coke is testing out an alcoholic product after 130 years without it i know that's a really long time i think because they are kind of known as like the santa claus polar bear family brand that maybe they're a little hesitant to kind of embrace fully whatever this new alcoholic <laughs> lifestyle they have concocted for themselves. Um, but I think it's definitely interesting that this is now happening, like for the first time. Um, and I guess seeing if it goes well, they they may definitely bring it over. I think, you know, other countries are kind of uh, more open to weird Coke flavors rather than America. If you ever get the chance to visit the world of Coke in Atlanta, do it and then don't drink the Beverly because no, it's man, disgusting. Beverly's, <laughs> Beverly's great. No, it's like Beverly a, is no. garbage. Don't no. drink it. Apologies <laughs> yeah. to whatever country Beverly is sold in, but it's terrible and it's not for my American palate. Never heard of it. It's very bad. Yeah, um, it's like a bitter aperitif, I believe, is the flavor that they, hmm. they call it. But. Love that flavor. Uh, I don't know. So maybe this is the start of something new, but I do think it may take a while for it to, to kind of come over to America since here it really is kind of like a family, you know, movie going sort of drink. It's kind of a weird name too, isn't it? I mean, Lemon Dew, it sounds almost like Mountain Dew, which is a Pepsi product. But I'm guessing Mountain Dew is probably not a hot banger on the islands of Japan. So maybe, maybe they're not. not. As, so maybe, maybe people haven't had that. So maybe it isn't enough. Maybe I'm grossly <laughs> generalizing too. I don't know. Hey, you don't know what's popular there. Have you ever been? Me either. But no. But someday. I would someday. love to go to the islands of Japan and test their weird alcoholics. So <laughs> a week road trip or not really road trip, but plane trip. All right. Uh, we've also got one quick update because we have obviously been covering Sir Martin Sorrell's exit from WPP, the most powerful man in advertising, losing his job, and uh, kind of uh, I have frequently made the the metaphor of that he uh, this is Napoleon going to Elba you know that he would be back he would be back in force i did not expect it to be quite so quick um <laughs> but there there has already been a story uh broken by sky the the news publication uh reporter said that Sorrell is taking charge of a little-known London investment firm called Derriston Capital PLC, uh, which is only a few years old, and uh, that they're going to be acquiring uh, an entity that Sorrell uh, has created called S4, which does sound a little more ominous. That's like what you call like the evil organization on Alias or something, you know? <laughs> so I got that vibe to it. Uh, and then he would use this to acquire other businesses. This is exactly what he did with WPP. This is 
is the entire history, as we've talked about WPP, is it, it was a wire basket and animal cage manufacturer that got bought and turned into the most powerful co- holding company in advertising. Uh, so we don't have a whole lot more details. I just wanted to mention that because, you know, this, who knows? Like a few years from now, we could be talking about S4 as a $80 billion, $400 billion company. And, uh, S you know. for Sorrel. Yes, Sorrel forever. That's what S4. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that's it for the news. Let's move on to ads worth watching. Got a, we got a lovely one. Uh, the, this I, I believe Sammy did. Didn't you even spot this ad? I did. I cried about it on television, then came into work the next day and was like, "We should write about that," which I've done before. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, Las Vegas Tourism, uh, best known for their "What Happens in Vegas Stays in Vegas" campaign that was created um, a few decades ago now uh, by an agency called R&R Partners, which is still their agency. Uh, and, you know, that campaign has endured, but the messaging has changed. Vegas itself has gone through a lot of change over the years. And one of the real positives about Vegas, it, albeit I'm sure it's opportunistic, but they've been one of the marketers to really embrace LGBTQ uh, audiences and, you know, include them in their marketing, uh, as have the resorts there, because there is a lot of money in, uh, you know, in accepting. And also, it's the right thing to do, uh, of course. But uh, so this ad is called Now and Then. Uh, it is a, is a rather long ad. I believe it's like three and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a love story about two women who met in Las Vegas uh, and had a whirlwind romance. And then they are are back. I forget if the ad tells you kind of how long it's been since then. Feels like a couple years, but yeah, I don't remember if they say that. Yeah, w- what's nice is that it's not a whirlwind, let's get married, we just met mm-hmm. ad, which would be very like 80s Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> this is more like we met, we had a wonderful, deep emotional connection <laughs> and got to know <laughs> each other. And then two years later, here we are back again. So they are, uh, the reason it's called Now and Then is that it basically goes back and forth between the uh, when they first met, uh, as they're kind of reminiscing while they're walking around Las Vegas, it's a lovely ad. The the effect, the kind of the filter blurred effect on the lighting is really beautiful. So we obviously can't do that justice uh, in a, in a podcast. But let's listen to some of the audio. I, I will say my one caveat is that I think the oh, the the very first few scenes are a little clunky. Like the dialogue is isn't quite you know smooth and subtle uh but i think it finds its pace uh, about a, a minute in and it really becomes quite lovely um but uh, so let's listen to that well ju- this is just a snippet of dialogue between the two women as they're walking around las vegas and talking about their relationship and their concerns about uh, one of the women's parents not accepting uh, her you know uh, being a lesbian and being in a relationship so let's listen to some of that so what do you mean your parents aren't proud of you <laughs> You are beautiful, successful. I'm charming, (laughs) funny. I don't think it's my sense of humor that they have an issue with. We can't get married tonight. My parents would never forgive me for getting married without them or for who you're getting married to. They don't see the world the way we do. Well, how do you know that? You never asked. I don't have to ask, I know that. Well, if you never ask, then you can't know. And this is one of those ads where I don't know how much to spoil. I will just say that it is an ad about them 
uh, deciding whether or not they should get married. And then it has a kind of lovely little uh, twist or moment at the end, uh, which you should definitely check out. Uh, Sammy, what was it about this ad? I, I mean, I feel like love stories in ads are very hard to pull off. And so what was it about this one that got to you? They're very hard to pull off, and it reminds me of a quote because I recently rewatched it, um, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Uh, you forget that Matthew McConaughey plays an ad guy. But uh, at some point, they're trying to sell diamonds, and a, a female uh, ad copywriter maybe is saying that, you know, the difference between selling love and selling lust is kind of uh, prevalent in, in a lot of ads. And I feel like some very hokey diamond commercials are out there or like, I don't know, home insurance. I don't know what sells love these days. <laughs> um, everything's fine. Uh, so with this one, though, it really is um, sweet. And it really is a side of Vegas that you don't really always get to see since some of the like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas ads are more about, you know, the debauchery, the stuff you want to forget or like not show off to people. And this was kind of like showing off their love to people and kind of reminiscing and taking a walk down memory lane. And I don't know. I thought it was it was very touching. And, and I agree. The, the moment or small twist at the end was also I think that's probably what got me the most, even though it's very well telegraphed that it's coming. Um, but it's it's a it's a really sweet ad. And I, I think that kind of um, you don't always see that story on TV. Marty, not to put you on the spot personally, but I feel like this is like a very Marty Swant kind of romance here that like this is how you picture that you're you know because you and I have again weighing into the open public here taking a conversation that we've had privately but I feel like you have this very uh, romantic view of the world where you really could see yourself meeting someone having this whirlwind romance uh, you know in a, in in the right moment did this spot kind of resonate that aspect with you you know to be honest i have not seen the actual spot yet i mean i've heard a lot about it on twitter and from the office and but but based on what i do know about it yeah that makes makes a lot of sense why this would have that pull i mean uh just taking on that note it's like yeah i would love to you know when i'm traveling alone in one of these conferences meet somebody in a coffee shop and have a great conversation fall in love with the girl of my dreams in barcelona or whatever you know but um have not found her yet but you know it's um but that makes a lot of sense there are other cities in the in the world that have that that pull of romance more than um, more than Las Vegas does, and like uh, Sammy said, you know, it's one of those cities that people just go to to have fun and then leave. And um, I agree, it's, it's not my favorite city by any means. Uh, Las Vegas, we go there every year for CES, and that's it. I'm ready to go. Um, but that is interesting to juxtapose a city that does have its own Eiffel Tower, I guess, and New York skyline, everything like that, down the the Vegas Strip. But it's um, not the most romantic city in the t- traditional sense, and so. Um, it seems like this is kind of a definitely a, a steer away from uh, your average Vegas. Yeah, it's it's not say you think of with a meat cute, like yeah. <laughs> like those <laughs> moments of just like oh, I just walked up and introduced myself to a random stranger. Like who is by themselves? Talk to the Again. person at the slot machine next to me. <laughs> They, they, there is another ad in this series that's about a woman uh, enjoying Vegas by herself. It's There's no romance. It's just about her exploring and having a good time. And they're obviously trying to kind of get rid of exactly the, the stigma I'm talking about. It's like who goes there by themselves. Um, but, it, you know, what impressed me about this ad is that many years ago, like almost 10 years ago, I wrote this piece uh, for Adweek about – the stereotypes in how gay, lesbian, bisexuality, all of that is is portrayed in advertising, of which there were many. Advertising got so much better. If you Go back and read that article and you can really get a sense of how much improvement the industry's made in about 10 years. But at the time, 
inclusive advertising was almost unheard of. And the one of the trends we pointed out in that piece of the kinds of stereotypes you have about uh, about lesbian, gays, bisexuals is that lesbians are sexy. Like that was always the thing that if you show two women, it has to be all like prurient, you know, that they're they're almost performing for the guys. There, there's no actual uh, romance or love. They're not treated as three-dimensional human beings. And I have to admit, like, I had this moment of nervousness when I started this ad, watching it of like, is, is this going to fall into that trap, you know? And it certainly has its sexy moments. I mean, it's a sensual ad. It's Vegas, so they, they you know, they toe up to that line, but they do not go over it. They don't fall into the stereotype. Sammy, I mean, am I, do you think that's a fair assessment? I feel like they didn't shy away from the sensuality of it, but at the same time didn't, didn't go like full sexy. No, I agree. And there's been, I mean, advertising and media is nowhere near it should be in terms of inclusivity and kind of uh, treating people as people and not as really fun token storylines or characters. <laughs> like, I think there was a tweet recently that was like, would love for any gay character to not be killed or have a tragic storyline. Like, can we just enjoy our lives, please, and be people? Because we're still fighting that fight, and that's ridiculous. So I agree with you that it certainly doesn't kind of um, – I mean, it's almost very female gazy, I think, in the way it's shot. Because it is about the romance of a couple and how they met and how they fell in love and should they get married. And so some of that will be kind of um, – I don't know, parts of parts of that relationship. And and I agree with you completely. And plus, you can always trust anything I suggest to you. I would never in a million <laughs> years be like, you got to see this really awesome ad. <laughs> It'd be super salacious <laughs> and offensive and terrible. If it you know has what's the funny? main stamp of approval, you're in good hands. <laughs> you know, and, and you're 100% right. Because I remember as soon as I started it, and, and, you know, again, this is just from covering the ad industry for sure. so many yeah. years. My, I'm just so like jaded oh, yeah, and and cynical about the way that they portray things like and and it goes farther than just you know how lesbian relationships are portrayed but that's certainly a big one but yeah i was like okay sammy <laughs> sammy asked me to watch this so i know it's going to be it's going to work You're out safe. it's going to be okay <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for pointing that one out. I encourage everyone to check it out. Uh, the headline on that is, if you want to look it up, is in New Tourism Spot, What Happens in Vegas Pulls at the Heartstrings. Uh, so it's a lovely ad. So congratulations to R&R Partners on knocking that one out. And uh, it's time to move on to our big discussion of the week. All right, let's talk Toronto. Toronto, Canada is our spotlight uh, in this week's print issue and online. We have quite a bit of content. Marty wrote up a uh, trend piece on kind of how the tech community in Toronto has been exploding. Uh, We will talk about that in just a second. But first, I wanted to mention our 33 Toronto brand stars, uh, which is we we try to do this every time we go into uh, spotlight a different city. We've done this with Chicago and Atlanta and uh, now with Toronto. Uh, And we've got some great... Great names. It's a nice mix of people that you would recognize. Drake is on there. You can't talk about Toronto and not talk about Drake. He's <laughs> got his own we've got, there, I think. We've got The Weeknd, who's obviously uh, become one of the bigger names in music. And uh, and I, I don't associate with Toronto as much as I do Drake, but that's probably just from my complete ignorance about music in the modern sense. Uh, we've got, uh, in terms of names you might not recognize, but you would certainly know their work, uh, we we have the agency Cosette Communications and their client Sick Kids Foundation are both represented there. If you are not familiar with Sick Kids, it's one word. You can look it up. They've done some of the best advertising in cancer advocacy, 
anywhere in the world. Uh, they've won tons of awards for this. Uh, it is called, I believe, uh, the Versus campaign or Sick Kids Versus uh, has been the campaign they've been running for a few years now. Just spectacular. Can't even, I mean, if you haven't seen it, uh, just go watch those ads because they are spectacular. There's one called, uh, I believe it's uh, Undeniable. Um, but uh, yeah, just all the, all sorts of great work. So we have the two global CCOs from that agency. And we also have their client, Lori Davison, the VP of Brand Strategy for Sick Kids Foundation. We've got the mayor of Toronto, John Tory. We've got uh, leaders from the agencies like Taxi and Sid Lee. We got Margaret Atwood. We have it all. I thought, I, thought, I thought I'd get a good, like a Sammy Woo for that one. <laughs> well, no, I got distracted. I was thinking of Stefan from Weekend Update and like how this this list has everything. It has Drake. It has the mayor. It has Margaret Atwood. It has two two-by-fours that you put on the side of your head and bang it with a mallet. Um, all right. Uh, so that is the definitely check out our 33 Toronto brand stars. But let's, as all great things, this let's make this about Marty. Uh, Always. Marty. Tell us about the Toronto tech scene. What is going on there? The Toronto tech scene. Well, uh, let's rewind to three weeks ago, actually. Uh, Justin Trudeau, the prime minister, got in trouble for talking about the tech scene in a certain way, saying that it needs more swagger. And uh, which, <laughs> which you know, it's it's not quite as offensive as some of the things that are said by our um, by our leaders sometimes uh, here in the U.S., uh, yeah, that's such a north of the border controversy. Like, walk yeah. us through that. Yeah. What, what was? Uh, what oh, I would was... love for that to be the scandal. I know, right? Swagger. <laughs> yeah. what, what was the what was the scandal there? Why, why did conservatives feel that that was an inappropriate thing to say? Yeah, so he was speaking at um, Shopify uh, Shopify's annual conference, and he was saying that uh, Canadians need to have more swagger for uh, their homegrown talent, and uh, you know, often Silicon Valley and New York and other cities um, here in the U.S. get a lot more. Um, you know, publicity in terms of uh, the innovations that they're doing, whether it's in AI or whatever else. And he's like, well, we have a lot of talent here, but uh, we just need to talk about it more because sometimes, you know, if we don't, then someone else is going to copy it and take all the credit. And uh, there's there's some conservative members of the, uh, you know, of there's cons- some conservative politicians up there. I think one in particular, um, I'm blanking on her name right now, but she said, you know, well, you know, Canada should be having more swagger for other things, such as, you know, just other topics that might be more of a global relevance right now. All right. So tell us, uh, what should they be swaggering about? What is their niche uh, <laughs> that Toronto is, is owning? Well, the the swagger of the week is uh, AI. It's, but it's not actually not just this past week. It's um, been kind of a decade or two coming now. Um, there are a bunch of AI companies that are popping up in Toronto, which you know many might forget is the fourth largest city in North America. And there's actually about 100 more AI companies at this uh, facility in Toronto called uh, the Mars uh, Discovery District, uh, which is like a 1.5 million square foot um, incubator facility of sorts um, in, in downtown Toronto that talk, you know, they, they incubate companies, they, they connect partnerships with the University of Toronto and uh, nearby Waterloo, which is about an hour away from Toronto and has a pretty good tech scene of its own. Uh, Kick, which is a messaging app, is, is based there along with uh, some other companies and got a pretty good computer science team. And uh, it's just interesting because it seems to be having a heyday. Um, but really, AI started there probably a decade or two ago before it was maybe cool here in the U.S. So so tell us about some of the players there. That uh, I, These are largely companies that uh, most of us outside of the tech wonk circle have not uh, – they have not heard of, but tell us uh, who some of these players are. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're still relatively s- small in the grand scheme of things, but just to name a few that I talked to for the story, um, there's a company called Rubicloud that earlier this year announced that they'd raised uh, $37 million. 
uh, from investors such as Intel Capital. And what they do is they actually uh, help retailers with their sales and customer service uh, using machine learning. Um, there's Vidyard, which uses AI to personalize videos. Um, there is um, Primal, which is uh, they're using natural language processing uh, for marketing as well. And so, I mean, the, some of these terms are things that we're seeing pop up time and time again here in the U.S. as well. But it's interesting to see all of these companies in such a in close proximity to each other. It's uh, one person I talked to. I said, well, what makes Toronto different than, let's say, Boston? Because Boston has a pretty good tech scene. They have a lot of schools there. You've got Harvard, you've got Washington, uh, not Washington University, Boston University. Uh, but he's like, the thing is, like, Toronto has, it's like New York, but DC and other cities all in one because it's all kind of centered there. There's enterprise, there's insurance, there's banking. And a lot of these uh, industries have been focusing on data for a long time. And so you have all this kind of centralizing in one city, whereas in the US, you know, you might have, you know, advertising here in New York, but you've got a lot of the tech in Silicon Valley and you've got uh, maybe some of the AI stuff here down in, um, you know, Pittsburgh or in, or in Boston, but there it's, it's kind of all in one. So it's a lot of cross, there, yeah, there's a lot of cross pollinization here these days. Sammy, have you spent any time in Toronto or Canada generally? No, I've never left the country. What? what? Yeah. Wait, so I've mentioned you're going this the to last the time both of you talked about that. hostels, and I was like, yeah, nope. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I've stayed at a hostel in suburban New Jersey. The, uh, uh, so wait, so you're going to the, not to get way off topic, but you're going to the Can Lions with us like in, in what? A week weeks. and a half or whatever it is. Like, <laughs> that'll be your first trip out of the country. Yeah, and I'm going to be <laughs> expecting that kind of trip every time I leave the country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the whole world is like the Riviera. <laughs> <laughs> every place but here. Sammy only Sorry, goes to bougie places. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's not far off from what I do now. But <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel bad that I've not spent more time in Toronto. I've, I've passed through it. Um, mostly like on flight connections. I have spent I've spent a few days there over the years. I spent more time in Montreal, um, mm. but uh, which, which Montreal is an amazing city. But they've they've struggled economically. I'm sure it's gotten better since I was there. But uh, you know, just the the Quebec independence movement really uh, had a lot of financial impacts over the years on on Montreal. So it was kind of a place that seemed. There wasn't that certainty that economic investment really looks for uh, that Toronto's always had. Toronto, to, to me, always seemed like kind of this this almost like Canadian Chicago where it's got mm-hmm. a little of everything going for it. But they don't, to get back to Marty's original point, they don't have a lot of hubris. You know, people from Toronto just don't like beat their chest and be like, Toronto, T-Town, you know, or whatever. <laughs> now, wait, what are some nicknames for Toronto? I had not heard of any of these nicknames. Like, what what are they? Was it Big Six? What are they the called? Six. The Six. <laughs> big six. six. Big six the is six. probably some football thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, big six. Pick six, isn't that something? Pack pack ten and the big six. <laughs> <laughs> but do do you know what is what is the six? Where did that come from? Oh um <sighs> <laughs> She's like Sammy frantically Googles. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Um oh, because oh, interesting. That was fast. According well, this is from Urban Dictionary and I'm choosing not to go to any other sources. <laughs> Uh, uh, Toronto is now one big city, but it used to be six different cities until 98. <laughs> this is where you go to get your Toronto news. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. I mean, if Googling I was a Drake fan, I would have known because that's all he like references a bunch, but I never took the time to one, listen to Drake, two, research his lyrics. So thank you, Urban <laughs> Dictionary. <laughs> 
Speaking of, well, not just uh, Drake, but just Canadians in general, one of the other interesting things about this is a lot of um, you know, the, the city and the country are attracting a lot of international talent these days. Mm. So it's not just homegrown, but, um, you know, uh, there was a study that Mars did recently that showed that a, a lot of companies are bringing in international talent um, from uh, the U.S. and from the U.K. And, and from China and different places. Brazil, I think, were a, a few of the top new international countries um, that are where people are coming from, but it's, uh, the country recently passed this law to quicken the visa process. So like for highly skilled workers, mm. you can get a visa within two weeks. Uh, meanwhile, here in the U S um, there, uh, the Trump administration announced that they're going to rescind a, uh, a rule here that actually, uh, allows immigrants creating companies here to stay longer than they would have otherwise been able to. So it seems like this, this interesting juxtaposition between, you know, Canada, uh, hastening their visa their visa policies and and in here in the US it's it's getting tougher and tougher for people to move here so a lot of companies it's not just individuals but a lot of companies are saying hey we're going to open in Toronto because it's easiest for us easier for us to get talent especially for something with like AI where it's already a very small talent pool and you need to find people however you can and so a lot of companies are a little uncertain about the US visa rules and so people are like well Toronto, it's um, there's a lot happening there already. It's um, it's really close to the U.S. in terms of travel for um, for VC money or whatever else. It just seems to be the right spot these days. And you know, Google um, is opening stuff there. Samsung just announced an AI healthcare center there. Um, BlackBerry, is, a Canadian company, is pivoting to self-driving cars, which I'll be curious. That's, how that's my my <laughs> favorite pivot of all the pivots. Yeah. My, my BlackBerry is now self-driving cars. Phones to cars, yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting how like one small, not a small thing, but like one change in policy, you know, with um, you know, is driving a lot more. No pun intended. Um, but you know, it's it's just like driving more uh, traffic for uh, people to move there. But, um, but yeah, it seems like this is a long time coming with a, a lot of the, the AI focuses there. Well, we are out of time, but Marty, it is always a pleasure to have you on. I encourage everybody to check out Marty's story on the uh, Toronto tech scene and our all of our stories about uh, Toronto and our spotlight there. We're going to have a great event uh, there for the honorees and for the, the marketing community and media community of Toronto. So uh, a lot of work went into that. Big thanks to everyone who pitched in on that project. And Marty, thanks for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me. All right. Well, we will be back next week uh, and uh, have a lot more. Man, Can is coming up fast. We've got a lot of preview stories. We've got our Creative 100 coming up. I'm mildly stressed out these days, but we've got a lot of good content hey, in the mix. Hey, who isn't, really? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's one of those where, like, like the worst thing you can do lately is, is comment on how stressed you are because, like, everyone around you just, like, just, like glares at Cringes you like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's What's that like? Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so lots more to come. Our theme music is by Home. Uh, this episode was produced by Anya Fernando and edited by Lane McGibney. Thank you, Anya. Thank you, Lane. Please take a moment, if you haven't already, to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. That means a lot to us. And don't forget, we're on Spotify as well. Uh, I'm David Griner with Adweek, and we will be back next week. Next week.